Hello listeners, this is Cyberpunk Tales from the Oasis, Episode 5, Raising the Stakes, Part 1. We are an entirely listener-supported podcast, so if you like what you're hearing so far, please consider telling your coolest friends and family members, or pledging a few euro bucks per month on our Patreon at patreon.com slash talesfromtheoasis. Thanks for your support, and now, Raising the Stakes, Part 1. The city around Iso, Mavis, and Reed feels strangely familiar and alien at the same time. The usual sounds and smells of an early evening metropolis seem different in the dusty night air of the oasis. Piercing through the faint smog, the moon casts an eerie blue light on the buildings and vid screens surrounding them. Neon signs flicker to life as a couple of food carts set up shop nearby. The Oasis nightlife is beginning to stir. As before, you notice that a lot of the people that you're passing have these big ass blue chips embedded in the side of their head, but not all of them. It's not necessarily clearly divided, but the people wearing nicer clothes tend to have the chips, though that's not a hard and fast rule. You make your way through the outer rings of the city because the city is arranged in several rings. At one of the corners, sitting on top of a, just a gigantic 15 story building is this huge sign that says, Flaming's Real Steakhouse. And then a picture of, not even a picture, it's like a like an AR hologram of a cow. And as you walk up, it sort of looks down and looks at you and goes, and then looks back. <laughs> well, that's unsettling. Anyone else noticing the irony of it saying real steak next to a holographic cow? Look, I'm fucking hungry. Let's just go in. You walk into the lobby of this area and sure enough, there's another guard. This time though, the guard stops you and pulls you aside and asks you, do you, uh, have a reservation for anything you don't appear to be he sort of looks at the side of your neck uh, blue chips do you uh do you do you have a reservation here or have you just purchased a building we're meeting uh, yeah we're we're meeting with a certain o-ring Me- meeting who o-ring erskine mr. Erskine. we were invited by mr erskine ah uh, mr erskine yeah. rod erskine yes yes erskine yes yes rod yes. He, he called us and asked us to uh to meet him here oh uh, yes i was told to look for three twelve four Interesting characters. I assume you're who he was talking about. All right, well, head to the back. I will make sure that the elevator is set for penthouse. There you go. You should be good, and thank you for uh, coming by Flaming's Real Steakhouse. No, thank you for your service. Cheers, mate. Thank you. You get into the elevator, which, by the way, is enormous. Like, it's almost like a freight elevator, but much, much nicer. The size of, one might say, maybe several large cows you could fit in here without very much effort. The elevator dings and then leads you upwards and opens up just directly into the steakhouse. As the elevator comes up, you start beginning to smell the smell of cooking meat and the doors slowly open. You're greeted with two sights that are rather shocking and unusual. The first is that there is a single person standing on the other side of the elevator doors and he's dressed like a cowboy. He's wearing like a big 10 gallon hat. He's a bit chubbier, a little chunkier and has like a big old vest on with pauldrons and everything. Now, whenever I say cowboy, I'm meaning more of like the shape of the the outfit. 
The specifics of this outfit, <laughs> though, are flashy to say the least. There's little LEDs like built into his cowboy hat. His holster is like constantly shimmering and shining. His clothes seem to almost flap with wind that doesn't actually exist. <laughs> but you do notice, like I said immediately, that is that he is incredibly drunk. <laughs> he kind of looks you up and down and goes, ah, you must be the people are here because you're in the caravan. Yep. Boss, I think you're here. Phew, it isn't Rod. He steps aside to a second to, to call for the boss, and you're you're struck with the second sight that is, again, just jaw-droppingly, mind-explodingly weird, that in the center of this steakhouse, up kind of towards the wall, is a section that's cordoned off with little velvet ropes right next to a very nice-looking piano. And inside this velvet rope section is a large-ish section of what looks like real grass. And standing on that grass, is a cow. The cow is tied up to a small post and over to its left, you can see a large pile of what looks like very real hay. And on the right, a water trough. Weird vibes. Reed just sort of looks at this very, very drunk cyber cowboy, looks back at the cow. That ain't our dinner, is it? What? No. <laughs> no one eats the cow. Bessie is a treasure and we love her. Understood. We love Bessie. Bessie? Oh, well. My rifle's called Bessie, too. I'm, 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 she looks like a treasure. Two additional figures uh, walk out from around the corner that leads over to the rest of the restaurant. They're dressed also very much like cowboys. One of them is dressed in less flashy clothes, but still like very functional. Like you can see that they're thick, like bulletproof. Uh, he's got a big hat on, like a big, you know, cowboy hat. And the second guy following behind him also has a cowboy hat, but his is black and he's dressed in a very nice looking suit. The third person, he has a cowboy hat and he's dressed in just like a curl snap flannel, kind of like a casual look. And you notice he's very wiry and skinny. Now, the first one that came up to you, as he reaches out his hand to, to introduce himself, you can see his right arm is just covered in cybernetics. It's big and bulky and has scratches all over it and stuff. My name's Rod. We spoke on the phone earlier. You must be the, the, the three unfortunate souls that got caught up in all that issue with that caravan. Am I correct? You'd be correct. It sure be us, Rod. Nice to meet you. I'm Rod. It's a pleasure to meet you. My associate here is, is G-Man. He points to the person who's wearing the suit. Uh, and he says, and then this is our uh, our other associate, Nico. We call him Rising Star, because he's a, he's a youngin', but he's got heart where it matters. And he punches Nico on the shoulder, and Nico just kind of flinches and looks at him like he's, what the fuck? The guy goes, oh, anyway, I'm sure y'all are quite hungry. Oh, come on over here. We've got the whole restaurant rented out just for us. Wanted to speak to you a little privately about a little matter we're having, but that can wait. Here, come on down and have a seat. One very nice looking waiter with a completely silver chromium face comes up and he goes, Hello, sirs, and welcome to Flaming Steakhouse. I'll be your server today. Uh, we've got several fine cuts of steak on the menu today. Again, all of our steaks are 100% real beef that come from actual cows. Uh, would you like to peruse any of these uh, any of these options? He hands you a menu with ridiculously abs absorbently high prices. We're talking like six hundred dollars for a steak. I just like lean in towards uh, to <laughs> towards ISO. I'm just like, you know what on earth? You're you're supposed to order from here. I I I basically just eat what comes out of the bag normally. I I don't know what I'm doing here. I, I think you usually go for the most expensive thing if it's all paid for. I knew you were smart. 
Rod leans forward and says, now, I know y'all probably don't have very much money to speak of these days, so don't worry about this meal. This one's totally on us. Ain't that right, G-Man? Yep. I reckon we can probably swing that. There we go. All right. Yeah, I've already got the bill taken care of. Y'all can order whatever you like. Thank you very much. That is mighty kind of you. Uh, sir, I've I, I got to say, I, I, I need to be uh, ambushed on the road more often if this is what happens, I tell you. He grumbles a little bit and puts his data pad away. After you've ordered your food from this uh, chromium-faced waiter, Rod takes the lull in conversation. Just in case y'all haven't heard about us, since you're probably new to the Oasis, me, G-Man Star, and uh, no name over there. <laughs> he points to the exceedingly drunk man who's who's just kind of stabilizing himself on top of a chair. <laughs> we run one of the, the biggest shipping companies out here, uh, out in the Oasis. Uh, we call ourselves the, the Brokebacks. We're the, we're the mules for you, and we'll break our back to get you whatever you're looking for out here in the Oasis. Our prices aren't cheap, but goddamn were reliable. Now, unfortunately, one of uh, our shipments was actually traveling through that their caravan that you were a part of. I see. And so we just had a couple of questions about about what sort of thing went wrong. Uh, first off, I was just wondering, from kind of your own words, your own recollections, what what happened while you're out there? What happened to Gothard? Well, he's normally pretty reliable. I was surprised to see you show up without him. We were ambushed. And Gothard blew himself up protecting us. Exactly that. He he blew himself up? Yep. Yep. Most remarkable thing I've ever seen. I didn't really take him for a Karen type like that, but I guess a contract is a contract. Neither did I, I'll be honest, until he blew himself up. Then I, I took him for a pretty darn Karen type. Hmm. So uh, what happened to the rest of that their caravan? I remember one of the cars getting blown up. One behind us. Blown up? Yeah. Which one? The one we weren't in? And G-Man leans forward and goes, which one was the one that was blown up? Now, there were four individual vehicles in that their caravan. From what we understand, there was the, the tank vehicle in the front. Then we've got the passenger vehicle y'all were in. We've got the rear vehicle that was holding up rear support. And then the transport vehicle. Now, do you happen to know which one blew up? Was it in front of you or behind you? Uh, and I turned to Reed. Our eye in the sky. Well, the tank in front was disabled. We tried to get past. Eyes in the sky were immediately taken out by AA fire. It was... Oh, oh. Was, was there anyone you knew? Were you close? We're always close. Oh, Lord. He pulls his cowboy hat off, puts it across his chest, and then signs out a pentagram on his <laughs> chest and puts the cowboy back on. Cowboy hat back on. Look, pal. May I call you pal? Uh, Rod is just fine. Rod, okay. Partner. The car behind us, I, after God had got fucking blown up, I tried to get the other car to follow us, but they had their wheels shot out. It was all I could do to get us out. Well, did you see what happened to him? The vehicle didn't explode. No, vehicle didn't explode. You don't think that they ended up making it out of that there ambush? No, I think they were disabled. Oh, well, that's a crying shame. There ain't no way no one else made it out of there. Oh, Lord. It'll certainly bring us a wrinkle of trouble. Uh, Nico, you getting all this stuff down? And the quiet cowboy at the end, dressed in the pearl snap, looks up and just sort of nods his head without saying a word and then goes back to typing in his data pad. Look, they were well armed. There was nothing we could do really to help him. I tried to do some covering fire, but we were blocked by a big fuck off vehicle, which the front tank wasn't ready for. No, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yes, ma'am. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. He flipped some sort of switch, like. 
Uh, he was. I mean, I, I had only That's just met him. That's quite an accent there. Where are you from? <laughs> well, uh, to be honest with you, I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> you grow up in the combat zones, and to be honest with you, you just pick up a little bit of everything. And uh, oh boy, y'all's uh, y'all's accents are putting mine to shame, but that makes sense. Now he he's about Rod's about to ask another question, but uh, G-Man cuts in. Excuse me, Rod. I uh, I just had one quick question. Now now from what I understand, he taps a couple things on his data pad. From what I understand, you uh, it was Reed, right? You realize at this point you haven't introduced yourself, <laughs> but they seem to know who you are anyway. Yeah, I'm Reed. That's me. You were supposed to provide aerial security. Is that correct? Yep. Should we be worried about future transports? They have some sort of high-tech cloaking device so your aerial vehicles couldn't see them? Or do they find some new way to ambush you that we should be aware of in the future? I wish I knew, pal. The anti-air just took him out of the sky. It's something all us nomads know. You don't fly over LA. Oh yeah, I mean, LA's uh, just quite a dangerous area. But the tank vehicle in front. Now, that's see here, son, that's that's the question I really have here. Is how are they able to stop and take down that tank vehicle with enough preparation that thing could plow through a fucking building? You hear me? I don't think it was ready. It wasn't ready? Straight up. So you were ambushed. Maybe some kind of communications happened. Maybe it... Give me a persuasion roll to fucking lie to them about you being the reason. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um... I, I don't think Reed thinks that he's the reason, really. Like, he doesn't blame himself for it. Okay. It's just shit that happens. Okay, that's fair. He goes, hmm, well, that's unfortunate. I was hoping we could get some more information about that, and, uh, oh, sorry, one second. Oh, it seems like your other friend has arrived. Oh, perfect timing as well, and the stakes begin to come out. So I, I went ahead and took the liberty of ordering her a medium-rare ribeye. Hope she'll be okay with that. I, I think she said she was vegan, <laughs> but, you know, we can always just split it, you know. Well, go ahead and get started on your food, and we'll, we'll wait for your friend Sadoi to get back up here so we can continue this conversation. Now, Sadoi, mm-hmm. you arrive in your chartered vehicle. It's a, it's a fancy-looking building. It's, it's at the penthouse of a 10-story building. And you step out of your chartered car, walk through the front doors, and are immediately met with a bit of a tense scene. There are six people, clearly not from around this area, dressed in what are more closer to, like, homeless kind of looks. They're just kitted out with all sorts of cybernetics. One of them actually has mantis blades that are currently extended, like blades that come out of the top of his arm and is in like combat stance and the guard who's standing behind his desk has a hand on his pistol and they're yelling back and forth at each other. The five or six people that are down there, one of the ones who's standing up in front, the one who has the mantis blades is holding it out. He says, now you listen here, you little son of a bitch. We're getting up there one way or another. Do you want it to be over your dead body or not? And he goes, sir, I can't let you up there without a, without a, a reservation. If you don't have a reservation, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And he goes, I don't give a fuck about your goddamn reservations. We are seeing Rod and we are seeing him today. He owes us something. And he says, that being said, sir, if you don't have a reservation, I can't let you up. I'm going to have to start activating the security systems. And he types a couple of things and several panels of the ceiling drop down and these turrets come out and begin pointing at these five or six people who are threatening the security guard. You are standing a little bit of a distance behind them, but the security guard hasn't seen you because he's a little preoccupied right now. I'm going to just like stroll up. Um, excuse me, I have a dinner reservation with a friend who uh, 
I have to go eat uh, gross meat with men. I, uh, I come on caravan. My name is Sidoy. <laughs> he goes, oh, uh, yes, ma'am. I'm sorry about that. Excuse me, sirs. If you'll just hold on one second, I'll be right with you. Would you like uh, 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 some assistance? I am uh, licensed solo. If you require uh, extra gun, uh, give me a persuasion roll. That's gotta be under social. Social, it's a cool check. Yeah, and I have high cool. I rolled a twenty-one. That's cool. That you look fucking badass. You say this, and he looks you up and down, and looks over at them, and says, "Well, actually." I do have a little bit of budget for um, external contractors. Would you would you help me remove these folks who unfortunately got a little confused with their dinner reservation dates? I uh, I turn around and uh, I, I say to them, How would you all like to eat lead instead of steak? Hey. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're definitely gonna roll a some sort of check on that. Mwah. Beautiful. <laughs> Is this a good time for a face-off or face-down? I want to see if he thinks that you're if if he thinks that you're scary for like if he takes you seriously. But yeah, that's actually a pretty good way of doing that. So yeah, let's do another. We'll do another face-down. Yeah. Oh, flat ten. That's not good. Ooh. Oh no. Oh, it tied. I don't. What happens in a tie? In a tie, both parties are unsure and nothing <laughs> happens. So you you say to him, "How would you like to eat lead instead of steak?" He kind of looks you up and down and says, I don't know, how would you like to become my next steak, motherfucker? And he pulls out his mantis blade. You both kind of look at each other for a second and are not quite clear who's more serious or who's not. Well, I suppose I'm not done with uh, getting covered in blood today. <sighs> and I pull out my SMG that I pulled off the scab. Uh, they see you pull a gun, they all pull their guns. Everyone suddenly has guns pointed at each other. This is a very tense situation. I was just going for dinner. The guard says, yeah, uh, this situation doesn't really seem like it's being made any better. Um, <laughs> is there a way you could possibly defuse it? Would you like me to shoot them? <laughs> uh, the lead guy says, I'd love to see you try. <laughs> um, shit. <laughs> uh, what's the cover situation like? <laughs> Well, you're standing next to the check-in table that's right next to the full-body scanners. If you did an athletics check and hopped over the table, you could hide behind the reception table with the guard, but you don't know its bulletproofness. Well, only one way to find out. So I guess I'm diving over the table for cover. <laughs> All right, yeah, you do. You hop over it and slide down right next to the guard and sit there with your gun. Do you have gun? He pulls himself down seeing you do this. He goes, ah, shit, and reaches over and grabs a shotgun. <laughs> Name's Charles, by the way. I'm Sidoy. It's nice to meet you. Let's kill these fuckers, shall we? All right. Uh, so I'm not going to actually roll combat here. <laughs> We're going to do just a couple of rolls to resolve how this goes, since no one else is here. Yeah, that's faster. Uh, so, let's go with, I'm gonna get you to roll initiative anyway, and we're gonna see who shoots first. Okay. 13. It looks like these, and I'm just gonna call them what they are now, because at this point you've kind of recognized what they are. They're speed freaks. Right, right, right. And they inject themselves with all sorts of drugs in order to make everything go really fast. They're really, really fast. Right. And sure enough, they're faster than you. The entire thing that you're in front of, you, you just, you can hear the reverberations of about 30 or 40 bullets slamming into it. I have made a mistake. 
<laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> Some of the papers on the on the on the thing above you kind of slide off as the structural integrity of this begins to collapse. What happened to those fucking turrets you have? They just decorative? No, the the fucking buttons up there. I need to enter in the access code. I wasn't ex ah. Oh god. He says, "All right, cover me." Uh, deal. Yeah, suppress and fire with my SMG. All right, roll it. Twelve. All right, you uh, you peek up and sort of shove your SMG over and start shooting and sort of peek up. And as you do that, you see that you were kind of aiming high, but as you adjust your aim, some of these tweakers begin scattering. You end up clipping one of them in the arm, but other than that, it's not really that much. They just kind of move a little bit out of the way. Charles gets up and begins like typing something in. He goes, all right, I think I got... Oh. He collapses next to you and begins bleeding out. Charles? Ah, oh. oh, fuck. You hear a boop, boop, boop. Warning, vital signs critical. Calling medtech. Well, how the fuck am I going to get paid now? That being said though, his turrets do end up activating. They flip on and just begin mowing down the, the, the tweakers that were in here. I'll roll a couple of dice rolls for some attacks. Two of them are shredded instantly. The other three manage to dodge the first wave of attacks. One of them dives through the glass in the front and the other two slam the doors open and begin hiding behind the, not stone, but like the metallic outer area. When the turrets no longer see them, they go and sort of power down. You realize at this moment, as the elevator doors pop open, that if you were gonna get out of here, now's your one chance to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing that for sure. All right, you leave Charles's body bleeding out on the floor uh, as the as his personal alarm is going off. Bye, Charles. And rush straight for the elevator. As you do, some of the tweakers get out and like look at you, and the turrets begin to reactivate and focus on them. Then I do this. <laughs> you flip them <laughs> off as the elevator doors are shutting. The elevator doors shut, and you're. And immediately there's a hail of gunfire on the other side of the door. You have no idea what's happening. <laughs> but the elevator senses your intentions as elevators often do and <laughs> takes you to the penthouse floor. Thank you for listening to Cyberpunk Tales from the Oasis. This was part one of Raising the Stakes. Before we cut to another excellent advertisement from the Oasis Advertising Network, we'd like to give a shout out to our lovely artist, Starling, who's been creating all the official artwork for the podcast so far. To see more of her work, check out our website at talesfromtheoasis.com, or for some high quality official art, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash talesfromtheoasis. She also has an Instagram, lensflare.jpg. That is L-E-N-S-F-L-A-R-E dot J-P-E-G. Check out her work, it's fantastic, and we're incredibly glad to have her creating our official artwork. Speaking of official art, this latest official Oasis Advertising Network commercial just came in from Scott Young, and without even hearing it, I'm sure it's gonna be its own work of art. Please enjoy. It's getting hot, hot, hot here in the Oasis, and you know what that means. It's time for a fire sale. 
I'm Scott Young. Come on down to our store to check out our lowest prices ever. We've got discounts on brain dance editors and micro video cyber optics. And in the warehouse, we've got piles on piles of, whoa, that room's actually on fire. Better get down here now, folks, because this inventory is not going to last. Hey, I'm still in Do here. you hear that, folks? People Scott. are just banging down the Scott, doors to get the their right hands now. on these incredible deals. Scott. Sorry, sir, the you'll just have to wait in line with the rest. The Hurry on down to Scott you. Young's Discount Scott. Cybernetics. Scott. Visit Scott. today, and I'll even throw in a free okay. installation coupon with each properly financed purchase. Our prices can't be beat, so come on down to Scott Young's Discount Cybernetics today, because this sale won't last long. Scott Young's Discount Cybernetics, located outside of Blue Section B, next to Hell Number 6. See store for details.